Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. spend just a few minutes um, talking about uh, a guy in the Bible who is actually in the army, uh, the army of that time. And uh, this happened about 3,500 years ago, so it was a long time ago. But um, a young man who uh, actually served his country, and uh, he was a teenager at the time, and uh, I thought we'd just spend a few minutes together and we could talk about this. And, and the reason I want to talk about this is because of this. There's always something we can learn from other people's lives, and I think there's always a lot we can learn, especially from those that have served in the military. I think the experience and what they bring, and believe it or not, I actually heard a pastor say this, talking about this. He said, there's even something that we can learn from a teenager. Now, I don't know. I mean, there's maybe one or two things, but there's not a whole lot. But today, I I think there's three things that we can learn from this young man who served uh, his country served the, in, in, in what I'll say is the army. Uh, they didn't call it then, obviously. But um, if you have a Bible, that'd be great. If you don't, we'll put the verses up on the screen. Don't worry about it if you don't know where it's at. It's fine. But I really just want to say thank you so much to all the veterans. And, and I want us all to learn today. And I want us all to be challenged. You know, my dad served in Korea. Uh, my wife's uh, dad served in, uh, on, a, on a ship and served actually in Vietnam. And so uh, a lot of uncles and aunts and relatives and so forth, a lot of family and friends, and there's a lot of people here at this church that serve. So we appreciate everyone that served. But this, this story in the Bible really is an interesting story. It's really kind of, kind of uh, fabulous. The guy's name, uh, some of you may have guessed who I was going to talk about, the guy's name is David. David. He actually grows up to be the king of Israel. So maybe if you don't really know a whole lot about the Bible, he's more commonly referred to as King David. But this story takes place when he's just a teenager. So he's just a young guy. Uh, I'm just going to read a little bit of the story. I'm going to start off. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the book of Samuel. And uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'll start off with verse 1. Let me just read the story. And then let's talk about it, okay? And then there's a couple points I just want to bring home. And and then we'll get you on your way. But I want us to learn from this young man some things that I think are very beneficial, especially... uh, to us that are getting older. Is anybody else in this room getting older, or is it just me? The only people that don't get older are like teenagers, right? They stay the same. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 1. You can follow as I read it. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together uh, at Shacho, which belonged to Judah, and pitched between Shacho and uh, Azekah in Ephesdemian. Now why don't they ever just give these easy names? I don't know. Verse 2, and Saul, so this was like the king at the time, and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. So real simple, we have King Saul who's with Israel, and then the opposing army is the Philistines, okay? Interesting side note, does anyone know where the Philistines are from? They're from Gaza. Yeah, modern day Gaza, that's where they're at. I didn't plan this because of what's going on in Israel, just the story. Verse 3, and the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, 
and there was a valley between them, and there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath, and Gath, of Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, and he had the helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass, and he had uh, uh, greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders, and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. Look at verse 8. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine, and you servants to Saul? Choose a man for you and let him come down to me. Look at verse 10. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Go down to verse 11. And when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were, church, what's the next word? Yeah. And greatly, what's the next word? Yeah, greatly afraid. So, so here is what we're going to look at next is that's the, that's the plot. That's what's happening. This young man named David. Um, and again, like I said, I think there's going to be something that we can learn from this young man. Um, and let me say this. As we get older, I think there's, really, there's some qualities from this young man, some qualities from this teenager that I think we have got to embrace and I think we've got to remember to never lose some of these qualities. It's, it's easy um, to start to lose things. I know as, sometimes as people get older and stuff, and it's, it's easy to, to think life isn't fun anymore. <laughs> Don't raise your hands. Any of you have an uncle or an aunt or a relative and they're just like, you know what? This just stinks. Life is so fun anymore. I don't know. Uh, there's no reason to celebrate holiday. There's no reason to celebrate Christmas. Bah humbug. How many of you know an old person that's just a curmudgeon? <laughs> yeah. When I say old person, I, I'm considering myself in that mix. But, but I just, I don't know. I just don't think it's really necessary. I think we've got to maintain a good perspective. I think just because we have more mature mindset, I think we have to be realistic and remember, uh, remember what's important. Um, I think there's a lot to learn from this young man, and, and I think all of us can learn something from this teenager. Now, before we hop into it, let me, just, let me just give this little warning. Just because I'm saying let's learn something from a teenager, uh, here's the warning. Um, uh, older, more mature women, don't dress like a teenage girl, okay? Just <laughs> don't do that. Go down to Florida and you see that, old people dressing like they're a teenager still, like you just got out of high school. You know, hop in their convertible or their Harley, and you're like, dude, you're not 16 anymore. Just, <laughs> just stop. I'm not talking about that. But, but anyway, there's this guy, his name is David, and, and David is, is, is actually a shepherd. He's stuck at home with dad. He's got older brothers, and all the older brothers are serving in this army, the army that I just talked about. And, and the Philistines, who's the army that's after Israel, I'm trying to make this make sense, the Philistines always have just come after Israel, always, just over and over again, and, and they're always giving Israel grief, they're always giving them trouble, not a lot of things have changed, and, and this particular battle really is what's happened in the story, what we just read, has become a stalemate. So you have an army on one side and, and an army on the other side, and there's a valley between, and, and this, this was actually pretty common in those days. Instead of everyone just going all at it and everyone dying, they, they would pick some people or a person from one of the armies and say, okay, this guy's going to represent our army. 
you bring down someone and he's going to represent your army, they'll fight to the death and whoever wins, they win. And it's kind of like a gamble. I don't know if I'd like that too much. I think if I was in the military, I'm going to put all my eggs in one basket and rely my future, my life, my faith, what God we're going to worship, where I'm going to live, what language I'm going to speak. On that knucklehead? I don't think so. I'd be like, you know what, give me a spear. I'm, I'm going to do this on my own. But this is the way they did it. So the Bible des- describes the guy. His name was Goliath. And you've heard of Goliath. Raise your hand if you've heard of the name Goliath. Right? You hear about it all the time. David and Goliath, you know, the giant and the, the little teenager. So the Bible, you saw it, really describes him as a big person. And he's just a big guy. And, and he goes to Israel and he addresses them and says, listen, let's have this contest. And, and, and the winner will be the winner. And, um, and this is where we're going to do it. And, it, it. and in those days too, let me say this. It wasn't just, let's just have a battle. You know, let's just fight who's ever stronger. It really was a theological battle. It really was, a, a, I don't want to use the word religious battle, but it was. Whoever wins... Their God's better. Now, Israel, as you know, worship the one true living God, the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, the God of Moses, right? We know that, the, the true living God. The Philistines uh, uh, worship gods. They had idols at that time. So who was the God at that time? I don't know. But it, it became a bigger deal. It's like, well, whichever guy wins, their God must be the better God. That's kind of a big deal, you know, because it, it was a lot of pride and stuff involved. And, of course, you know, the, the people of Israel were sitting there going, well, you can't have an idol win because that's not real. So the God of the Jews, the God of Jehovah, he must win. So, so, so let's go take a look at David. He's over there. He's back in Judea. His father's name is Jesse. The story goes on to say, and for the sake of time, we won't get into it too much, but the dad says to David, David, I haven't heard from your brothers in a while. You know, I know you're stuck here watching sheep. Why don't you go over there to where that battle is, go down to Gaza. Why don't you check it out and see how your brothers are doing? So you can imagine David. Yeah, I can't wait to get out of here. I am so done with these sheep. Yeah, how soon can I go? Let's go. Let's go check this out. So he runs down there and goes and checks on it. He gets down there and he's expecting there to be a, you know, a battle. He's expecting chariots and swords and spears and body parts, you know. And he gets down there and it's like a ghost town. It's like quiet, and they're all on this side, and they're all on this side, and there's one really big, tall dude, his name is Goliath, saying, come out here and fight me, you know, and they're all like, oh, we're not going to fight you, and so it's just really quiet, so David's kind of like, okay, this is, this is not really what I was expecting. Uh, go down to verse 23, and as he, this is David, as David was talking to his brothers and, and the king on Israel's side, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And David heard him. So David hears what the giant says. Verse 24. And all the men of Israel, when they had saw the man, fled from him. And they were sore, church, what's the next word? Afraid. Verse 25. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that's come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that this man who killed him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and he'll give him his daughter. And make his father's house free in Israel. Verse 26. And David spake to the man that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to this man that kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living gods? (laughs) So David shows up out of nowhere. Remember, he's the kid. 
teenager out of a farm field, out of the shepherd's field. And he gets on, he says, who is this turkey? Interesting to know. Look what he calls him. An uncircumcised Philistine. Now, I don't know. I'm not a professional. If there's anything that's got racial overtones to it, I would have to say that's pretty derogatory what he's saying to this guy. And, and he's just kind of calling it the way it is. And, and I don't know, some people would look and say, well, David, you're just you know, a wild, out-of-control teenager. You, you've never been to battle. You don't know the rules. Who are you? You come up here flapping your mouth off and, and flexing your muscles, you know, and, 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 and you don't know how to do this. You've never used a weapon like this before. And, and you're this young buck, and, and you're talking about this, and, and you're just kind of naive. You know what I admire about David? Here's what I admire. And I think something we all, we all can learn from David and something we all can pick up from David. I admire David's enthusiasm. Church, as we get older, don't lose your enthusiasm. It's just easy to lose your enthusiasm for life and your excitement for things and, 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 and just and, and lose the, 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 the wonder of the gospel. But, but not David. David's excited about this. The brothers explain it, talk about how bad this is. And, and how awful this is going to be. And David's just there with all this kind of enthusiasm, saying, let's go. Like, who is this turkey? What does he think he's doing? I, I don't know. I, I kind of wonder why is it sometimes that as we get older, we lose enthusiasm. I think, I think sometimes the world's beat us up so bad or, or, or beat you up so bad, and, and, and you've been beat up and, and hit around a few times, and you think you're kind of wise to the world, and and, 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 and we just don't have the, the gumption we had when we were young and, young, and we just say, you know what, it won't work, and this won't work, and that won't work, and it's just better just stay put, and I've, been, I've failed, and I've got beat up a couple times, and I tried something, and it didn't work, or I lost my money, or I lost my job, and it didn't work, and it's easy just to kind of become cynical and kind of lose our enthusiasm. Um, you, know, you know, that idea will never work. You ever hear that? You know, that idea would never work. You know, I don't know. The only, the only reason that an idea doesn't work sometimes is just because it's just flat out abandoned. <laughs> you know, sometimes people look at the Bible and say, well, Christian living, it doesn't work. Well, the reason it doesn't work is because you've abandoned it. You've tried to live the Christian life and you quit after a day and say, well, I, you know, I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to do this. Or, you know, and you give up too early. Those of you struggling, uh, we have a Friday night addiction recovery program and you're struggling with addictive behaviors. The only reason you don't find freedom from that is because you quit trying. That's why. And you say, forget it. I'm just going to live this way. It's the way I've always been. It's the way I'm always going to be. I'm just not going to do this anymore. You know, don't, don't ever be like that. Uh, just don't, don't, don't be that kind of person. No matter how old you are, no matter how old you get, be enthusiastic about life. Be enthusiastic about, about things that are coming up. Be enthusiastic about Christmas, goodness sakes, about birthday parties. Be enthusiastic about, about all that you've done. I remember when Amy and I started this church 14 and a half years ago, we had an older couple in the church and it was Christmas time, it was this time of year, and Amy and I said, oh yeah, well, we're going home tonight to decorate for Christmas, and, and the guy says, well, we don't decorate for Christmas anymore, and I said, well, why not? Just not worth it. Well, why isn't it worth it? Eh, no one appreciates it. Too much work, set up the Christmas tree, do lights, it just, there's no reason to do this, it just, there's just no reason. And I remember, Amy and I looked at each other, and we just said, wow, we will never be like that person. I mean, no way, you, you can't be like that, you can't do that. It's like, you just still got to be enthusiastic about stuff. Church, we've got a lot of things happening at this church for Christmas. Don't, don't be the curmudgeon. Well, no one appreciates it. I'm just going to stay home this year. No one cares. No, you still got to celebrate the birthday of our Savior, right? Still got to do these kind of things. Still got to be involved. We're never too old for that. We're never too, too past that. And so, 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 so 
here's David, and he's so enthusiastic. I wrote this down when I was looking at my notes. I wrote, I wrote down enthusiastic, and then I kind of wrote down the word question mark fanatic. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I think, church, I think if there's anything that we should be a fanatic about, it ought to be about Jesus Christ and the gospel. I, I mean, right? I mean, if there's, if there's one thing to be enthusiastic about, if there's one thing that us as a church, one thing that us as Christians ought to be, we ought to be fanatical about Jesus. The, the world's full of fanatics. Have you noticed that? It just, you know, social media has made them popular with that. And, and you know, and, and, and they're, they're, the fanatics of this world, the fanatics of America are pretty much escorting America to hell <laughs> on, a, on a greased roller coaster. And it's not good. Well, why, why aren't we fanatical about the things of God? Why aren't we fanatical about the things of Jesus? Why aren't we fanatical to share the good news of Jesus Christ? You know, I, I, think, I think if there's one reason that our nation becomes more secular or, or further down a road to destruction, I, I don't think our nation will slide into paganism because of Hollywood. I really don't. I don't think it'll slide into paganism because of, of, of the world's music or something, or the ACLU. I think it'll slide into paganism and farther away from of God because Christians are falling asleep and Christians have lost their enthusiasm. I just, I just think that's it. We're kind of like, well, whatever. You be that way, I'll be this way. It just doesn't matter. I, I'm thankful for David's enthusiasm. thankful he wasn't cynical. Thank God he wasn't apathetic. And, and look what he called them, back to that verse. He, he, says, he says this uncircumcised Philistine. I think David was mad about something that was wrong. Church, do you ever get mad at the wrong in the world? Or you just say, well, it doesn't bother me anymore. I think, I'm not, I'm not promoting a riot. I'm not promoting violence. But when you watch the news, when you watch what's happening, do you get upset about it? I mean, do you, I think we ought to. I think we ought to sit there and say, you know what? Wrong's wrong, and that's wrong. You know, that, that's not right. That's not a correct thing. That's not what we should be doing. That, that just shouldn't be happening. And, and I think it's good every once in a while that Christians kind of get mad about stuff like that. I think, I think Christians, we ought to get bothered by sin. We ought to get bothered by some of the ways that our country is going. Our country that is today is not the country that, that it was 30, 40, 50 years ago, that's for sure. I think some of those things ought to bother us. You know what? It's not happening on my watch. You know what? I'm not going to raise my kids that way. You know, I'm not going to let my grandkids be that way. You know, I'm not going to vote that way. I just think, I think it's something that, that we just need to really step back and say, this has just gone too far. The, the world is getting crazier every day. The, the people that should stand up and say, you know what? Enough is enough. Ought to be the church. You know, what happened in Ohio this week? The voting? I mean, I mean, with, with all our countries gone through, they, they have pretty much just given all the rights back to, to killing babies. It, it, it blows my mind. Now, where are the churches? The, legalizing marijuana. What are we doing? Do you want to work in a factory next to someone that's high? Do you want to be driving down the interstate with someone that's high on weed? Do you, I don't want to. Every state that legalizes this, their insurance rates go through the roof. I don't want to pay for someone else's addictive habit. I just, I just don't want to do that. It's not healthy. It's not smart. It doesn't do anything right. Why don't, we, why don't we get upset about these things? Our country is becoming more like Canada, where hate crime speech, if you say you know, you're against something, it'll throw you in jail for it. You know, if you, if you preach against the wickedness, if you preach against sin, it's like it's becoming a place where it's like, you can't say it, don't say that. 
Well, we ought to call sin, sin, okay? What the Bible calls sin is sin. doesn't mean we hate people. doesn't mean we want to hurt anybody. Of course not. We never condone violence. That, that's totally anti-Jesus. But you still call sin, sin. And Jesus was the one that called sin, sin, and said, you know what? That's wrong. I still love you. We're still going to help you get through this. But it's not right. Our, our, our nation is getting away from that. We're just so afraid of, 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 of hurting anyone's feelings or anything like that. David, though, David, though, in the middle of this war, he had this enthusiasm, this youthful enthusiasm that says, you know what? This is right. This is wrong. And, and we're not doing it. I'm not going to fall asleep on my job. I'm going to stay on my toes. I'm going to do what's right. And, and I'm going to be serious about it. I'm going to be enthusiastic about it. So back to our story. Let's get back to our story. And I, oh, I tell you this, too. When we look at the story. Speaking of calling sin, sin, I think David called it what it was. I don't think, I think, I think the people at the time, were, you know, his brothers were probably like, now David, come on, we need to do a little counseling for you. We need to teach you. You need to understand what the Philistines are coming from. You need to understand the religion. You know, we need to call Oprah and then call Dr. Phil and get his input on it, you know, and then we're going to have to negotiate and, and get some peace with these people. Time out. Time out. Church, you do not negotiate peace with people that cross your border trying to kill you, right? It's a, have you noticed the turn in the momentum towards Israel? I predicted it four weeks ago, didn't I? The narrative of the whole thing of Israel is, is now like, wait a second, what about the people in Gaza? Wait a second, they crossed the, the border and killed 1,400 innocent, not military, innocent Jews. Why, aren't, why isn't the whole world just in an uproar about this? Church, if 1,400 people got killed in Waukesha, it would be an uproar a couple years ago. A few people got killed, awful, terrible, that parade. No one, no one looks at the driver of that car and says, well, we really need to understand where he's coming from. We didn't do that, did we? No. But, but Israel does this, and, and look at the way that the whole perspective has changed and the whole attitude, the whole narrative has changed. You don't negotiate peace with people that come across the border killing your babies and beheading them and burning them in ovens. You don't do that, all right? It needs to be stopped. It's wickedness. It's evil. It's satanic. Back to our verse, verse 28. And uh, uh, Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and his anger was kindled against David and said, Why came thou down here? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou, thou might see the battle. <laughs> Eliab there is, his, his anger is so kindled against David He's saying, David, he's kind of making fun of him. You're just a shepherd boy. Why are you down here? What are you down here to fix? You know, you haven't had the proper training, the, the proper counseling. You're just down here to just, what do they call that? When you're just rubberneck, when you're just looking around all the time. You know, you ever see that? You drive down the interstate. How many of you have seen that? Uh, you drive down the interstate and traffic has come to a complete standstill. I hate this. And you're heading down to Milwaukee or, or, or Madison or whatever, and you're driving, it's a complete standstill. You're thinking, this must be bad like a meteor, hit the road and there's no pavement, um, an airplane crashed in the highway, we can't get around it, there's a forest fire, I mean, there's some reason we're stopped. And you slowly creep up and you get up there and you realize it's a car with a flat tire on the side of the road and everyone's, I've never seen a car with a flat tire before. I better slow down. It's a flat, that's flat, it's only flat on the bottom, but it's flat, you know. Here's what I think, here's what a law I think they should pass. I, I've spoken in the Senate this, this week. I'm going I'm to present this. I think the left lane should be for people 
that just don't give a rip about the accident, all right? And you drive in the left lane, hammer it. And the right lane is for people that are just so curious about the flat tire. And you could drive in the right lane. Okay, but then us people on the left like, I've seen a flat tire. I don't care, you know? <laughs> and then all the people on the right, they could post it on the Nextdoor app about the flat tire and about how it stopped traffic. And the people on the left don't care, don't post stuff. It's like, I just want to get to the restaurant and get out of here. Well, verse 29, and David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? I haven't broken any laws. I haven't done anything wrong. But what about this? Isn't there a cause? There's a reason I should be here. He, he calls black, black, and white, white. He has, he has an uncompromised view of a situation. He, he's very, very clear about it. He's not complex about this. He's not overthinking this too much. He just kind of says, you know what? This is the way it is. Good versus evil. I Sometimes you see that in teenagers. You know, they, don't, they haven't been, I don't know, schooled long enough to, well, we need to think about this. Just kind of like, no, that was wrong. I remember my boys growing up. You know, why did you guys do this? Eh, yeah, it's fun. All right, well, that's good enough. You know, why, why'd you speed the car? Why'd you, you know, why'd you wreck your bike? Why'd you, you know, punch your brother in your face? Eh, I don't want to do. All right, okay, you just, you're just saying the way it is. Just, it's just the way it is. And I think David has this really good. He just makes it really clear. I get frustrated with our, with our president. I'll tell you this. Let me back up. I normally don't talk politics, but we have to. I'm really impressed so far with Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House. I think it was really great. The very first thing he did was make a statement about Israel. I think that was just wonderful. As you know, I love Israel. I've been there 14 times. The Bible says to bless Israel, and he'll bless you. That's still true today. Um, I was very happy with our president supporting Israel. Now I'm very frustrated with the fact that they've got so wishy-washy on it, and he wants a two-state solution. A two-state solution is an insult to the Jewish people. It's been offered five times, and it's been rejected. Why has it been rejected? I'll tell you exactly why it's been rejected. Because once, it's, once a two-state solution is accepted, then the Palestinians don't have the victim card anymore, and now you have to put up or shut up, right? You just can't do it. I love the Palestinians. I'm not against, I'm not against Arabs. I'm not, I, I love everyone, okay? But there's a problem when you pick terrorists to run your country, okay? When Hamas is elected to run it, that's a really, really big problem. So, I just think David has a very uncomplicated perspective on life. He's very enthusiastic about things. Right is right. Wrong is still wrong. And, and church, I think as Christians, we shouldn't be afraid to say right is right. Wrong is wrong. Verse 32, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. <laughs> Boy, look at this faith. I love this teenager's simple faith. I'll do it. Who wants to go? I'll go. Really? Yeah, I'll go. It's no big deal. I'll just, I'll just do it. I don't have to wait until I get older. I don't have to ask anyone's opinion. I'm just going to go do it. You know, I kind of love that about teenagers. I'll do it. You know? And what does he do? He's really just kind of trusting in his, his, his Father in heaven to just have the simplicity of the faith just to do it. Church, as we get older, don't lose the simplicity and the faith of a child. Don't lose the simplicity of what the gospel is. What's the gospel? The gospel, you know... When the Bible was written, church, on purpose, this was written so that a second grader could understand it. It's not meant to be complicated. This is not meant to lose you. It's not meant to be hard. The, the, the gospel is so simply clear. Don't lose the simplicity of it. Sometimes we've been educated too much. We lose all that he said. We add words to what God said. 
You know, I did a series a few years ago on things that God didn't say, and people were shocked. God didn't say that? No, he never said that. I mean, the gospel, the simplicity of faith is this. Jesus, these are the words of Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Look what it says next. That whosoever, what, church, what's the word there? It starts with the letter B. Believes. Should not perish, but have everlasting life. He doesn't say who's ever gone to seminary. He doesn't say who's ever taken Holy Communion. He doesn't say whoever got baptized. He doesn't say who's ever joined their church. He also didn't say whoever quit drinking and whoever quit doing drugs. He didn't say that. What does he say? Whoever what church? Whoever believes. We, we add our thoughts to that or our opinions. Well, yeah, it's believe, but what you know, I think he really meant is whoever believes and stops doing bad things. Church, I'm all against doing bad things, but you don't have to stop doing bad things in order to get to heaven. You have to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He died on the cross, was buried, three days later rose again, proving the debt had been paid. It's literally that simple. This other verse over here, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 9. I love this verse. It's so simple also. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. It is not a work lest any man should boast. Nowhere in the Bible does God give us a list of the good things we have to do or the bad things we have to stop doing. He doesn't give it to us. If there was a list of good things to do and bad things to stop doing in order to get God's gift of salvation, where is it? Well, pastor, you have to go to church so many times a week. Where is that list? Because I said it this morning in our Bible study. I'm not missing going to heaven because I missed one church service, that's for sure. You know, where's the list? There's no list. Why? Because it's a gift of God, not a works, lest any man should boast. Let's look back at our story, verse 36. Thy servant, this is David, slew both the lion and the bear and the uncircumcised Philistine. He'll be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he'll deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, <laughs> you go, son, <laughs> and the Lord be with thee. Good luck. I'll be hiding back here in my tent. Call me when it's over. <laughs> Listen, church, we're faced by trials. We're faced by difficult circumstances. We continue to walk by faith, and we continue to trust God and see what God can do. Just because we get older, we don't start overanalyzing things. Well, God couldn't do that miracle. Why couldn't he do that miracle? Well, God couldn't help me in this situation. Why couldn't he help you in this situation? Well, God can't do it. Why can't he help you? And here's David. He's the only guy. He's the teenager. He's the punk. He's the new kid on the block. And, and he's not trained. He's not skilled. He says, oh, I'm not worried about it. I killed a lion. I killed a bear. Yeah, the same God that helped me with that, he'll take out the Philistine. I'm not worried about it. And all the other soldiers are sitting there looking. Wow. That giant is so big. He's got that heavy armor. Wow. You know? And he's got that big spear. He's got that, that big shield, man alive. And, and wow, look at all that stuff. And he probably weighs, you know, 500 pounds. It's just, he's a big dude. It's, we could never beat him. And what's David's perspective? David's perspective, just by faith, it's so simple. He's looking, well, shoot, pretty big target. Kind of hard to miss that. <laughs> you know, and he's probably thinking, well, with that big sword he's got, that big, that big shield he's got, he'll never come running after me. The guy's too big. He's too clumsy. He, he, he's, he's too overweighted with all, this, with all this heavy armor. Even if I miss him, I can outrun this dude, right? I mean, 
that he'll never, he's too slow. He's too, he's too clumsy. He's got too much stuff on him. I could take this dude down. And what's David do? You know the rest of the story. He goes out to the creek and he gets, he gets a couple rocks, puts them in his pocket, pops one in his little slingshot. Of course, he's a teenager. He's got a slingshot. Nowadays, it would have been an airsoft or a BB gun, right? But he had this little slingshot. And, and you know the story. He takes it, does it. First one, hits him right in the forehead, kills him. And the guy falls on the ground. David walks over there and, and takes his sword and says, all right, we're done. Chops his head off with his own sword. Holy cow. And, this is, and, and, and the whole rest of the army is sitting there going, I can't believe that just happened. <laughs> like, this guy just did this. But just that simple faith, he just says, you know, I'm just going to do this. God, God took care of me then. Same guy that took care of me years ago is the same guy that's going to take care of me today. Don't, don't overlook this, church. Don't overlook the, the enthusiasm that a young person has. Don't overlook the, the clear uh, uh, application that a young person even takes a situation in life where it's black and it's white, it's good and it's bad, and it's just, I'm just going to look at it. And, and don't, ever, don't ever overlook just childlike faith and, and just relying on God and saying, you know what? The same God that took care of me 30 years ago when I was a kid is the same God that's going to take care of me today. Church, don't lose the simplicity of our faith. Don't lose your enthusiasm, okay? Don't, don't lose the fact of calling sin, sin, and, and of just things being black and white. Well, it's just the way it is. Just not, not being afraid of it. And I think if we, if we learn some of these things from this teenager, I think God can use that in our life. And you know what that'll do? It'll help us inspire and encourage younger people. I don't want to, here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to grow old and be a curmudgeon, Okay? Raise your hand here if you want to grow old and be a curmudgeon. I'm not looking because I don't want to see who it is. <laughs> you don't. You don't want to be that person. You, you keep being involved as much as God will allow you to physically and, and, and able to do stuff. And, and whatever God gives you to do, you just be enthusiastic and say, you know what? The same God that worked years ago in my life is the same God. He's not done with me today. The same God that will work today. Okay? You take those things home and you take those to the bank and you say, you know what? I'm going to keep living my life for my heavenly father. That's what David did. And the story of David is this amazing story. He becomes king and does some unbelievably crazy things because he never lost that enthusiasm. He didn't do it. All right, we're out of time, everyone. Let's, uh, let's close with a word of prayer and uh, let's be done today, okay? So Father in heaven, today we talked about David. Help us to learn from this young man, this soldier. Thank you for the people that have served our nation and continue to serve our nation that are here today. Lord, Help us never to lose the simplicity of the gospel. That God loved us so much, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. After he died, he was buried, and then three days later, he rose again, conquered, conquered death to prove he had paid the debt. He died on the cross to pay our mortgage, to pay the sin mortgage. The Bible says the wages or the cost of sin is death. But Father, your son Jesus died on that cross, and he paid that debt for us. And all I said is, is, I just want you to believe that I paid that debt for you. I want you to accept that as fact. I want you to trust in that, that Jesus paid my sin debt for me. That's it. Father, it's not about us joining a church. It's not about us stop doing bad things. It's not about us walking an aisle. It's not about us taking Holy Communion. Maybe those are special things. Maybe those are important things to do. But we don't do those to get a gift from you. It's a gift of God. I pray, Father, that today, maybe some of the friends and family that are here today, maybe some I don't know that have never trusted you as Savior, today they would fully trust in the fact that Jesus died on the cross, 
paid their sin debt for them. And now, Lord, they can know for certain they have eternal life. They can know. They can walk out of this room knowing they have eternal life. I pray, Father, that you would give them just a special blessing. Maybe someone's trusted in you as Savior today. Help them, Lord, to, to just know that they've trusted in you as Savior and that uh, they have the Spirit within them now and, and they could go on to serve you with all that they've got. So, Lord, we're thankful for the free gift of salvation. We ask for a blessing, uh, the remainder of our day, as we go out there and, and, and honor those uh, heroes with the table there and, and reflect on our family and loved ones that have served us. And Lord, I pray that the veterans and first responders here will know that Dayspring Baptist Church loves them, and we appreciate every single one of them. And they'll never feel alone, they'll never feel forgotten, because we really, really do appreciate what they've done and what they continue to do. In your name we pray, amen. very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening.